So when I say the word mission, mission, M-I-S-S-I-O-N, what comes to mind for you guys when you hear the word mission? Mission Impossible. You picture Tom Cruise, man, on the side of that big, tall building in Dubai or wherever he was, right? What else? What comes to mind when you think of mission? A goal. Man, I've got a goal. I've got my mission statement, right? This is, this is what I'm going to achieve. What else? What comes to mind? Mission. Mission. A plan. Yeah. Anything else? Some of you gamers, man, you get a mission. You get a little side quest. You can go get some extra experience points. Yeah, what else? Mission. Mission. Last week, last week we, we kicked things off talking about community. Right? We talked about community, the importance of community. We all need community, right? We were built for community. We were made for community. We don't do well when we don't have community. And we talked about the kind of community we want to be as Chi Alpha, a community uh, that loves God well, that loves one another well, that loves the people around us well, loves the campus, loves the city well. We want to be a community like that. Uh, thrilled to have you guys woven into our community. Uh, we want to love you well, right? We want to be a community that's really there for each other. Uh, that's not fake, right? But when someone has a need, like we're really there for them. Uh, you can lean on us. You can count on us. We want to be there for one another. But every community needs a reason for being. Every community needs a reason to exist, right? Because if it's just... I mean, if it's just a group of people hanging out, and that's fine, right? It's fun, fun to hang out with a group of people, uh, but to really be a community that has purpose, it needs a reason to exist. So for Chi Alpha, what is it? What is Chi Alpha's reason for existing? Why does Chi Alpha exist? That's what we're going to be talking about, right? Our mission, right, as, as Chi Alpha. The mission statement of Chi Alpha is this. If you don't already know it, the mission statement of Chi Alpha is this. It's to reconcile students to Christ. That's it. To reconcile students to Christ, equipping them through spirit-filled communities of prayer, worship, fellowship, discipleship, and mission to transform the university, the marketplace, and the world. Right? That's Chi Alpha's mission statement. Not just Chi Alpha here in Memphis, but Chi Alpha all around the world. Chi Alpha exists on some 325 plus campuses across the country and around the world. Uh, and that is Chi Alpha's mission statement. Man, we want to reconcile students to Christ. We want to see students connect with Jesus or reconnect with Jesus, build that relationship with God. We do that by equipping them in these spirit-filled communities here on campus through stuff like prayer, worship, fellowship, discipleship, and mission. And we really believe with all our hearts, man, that as students encounter Jesus that way, it is going to transform the campus, transform the university, and then ripple out from there. As you guys graduate and go into the marketplace and go into your job, it's going to transform the marketplace and it's going to transform the world. And I really believe that with all my heart. And that's the mission of Kyle Alpha. That is what we're about, reconciling students to Christ. So someone asks you, man, what is Kyle Alpha? Why does it exist? And yeah, we're a community, and we love Jesus, and we exist to help other students come to know Jesus, to reconcile them to Christ. Our name, what about that name, Kai Alpha? Because that's a goofy name, O'Shea. Whoever came up with that, I don't know. Kai Alpha, what does that mean? Because it's not a fraternity, right? It's not a sorority. I had to explain that to, like, 8,000 people in the last two weeks, right, at various welcome tables and uh, events and involvement fairs. Kai Alpha gets its name from a very specific place in the Bible. So in the New Testament... 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. 2 Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote to a church uh, there in the city of Corinth, there in ancient Greece, a city where he planted a church as a missionary. Right? And he's writing a letter of encouragement to them. 
2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, we, talking about we as believers, we as Christians, we as the church, the body of Christ, he says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We're Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf to be what? Reconciled to God. There's that reconcile word again. So what, he, what Paul's saying here is that as believers, man, everyone that says, yeah, man, I, I believe on Jesus. I'm a Christian. Uh, I'm part of the body of Christ. So he says, well, every single one of you are Christ's ambassadors. You're an ambassador for Jesus. You guys know what an ambassador is, right? Ambassadors uh, represent the interests of their homeland and to another another country, another kingdom, right? The United States, man, we've got ambassadors, diplomats uh, in countries all over the world. And their job is to represent the interests of the United States to that foreign country, to that foreign kingdom, to say, hey, weighing in on political stuff, and this is how the U.S. feels about that, and, and want to make sure that we're, we're well represented in these conversations. Well, Paul says, you're an ambassador as well. I mean, I wasn't trying to be an ambassador. I'm like an engineering major. Well, you're that, but then as a Christian, you are also Christ's ambassador. Wherever God has you, whatever classroom, whatever situation, whatever, wherever he's got you at work, whatever friend group, whatever family, whatever neighborhood you're in, you are there as Christ's ambassador, representing Jesus to the people around you, right? So instead of being an ambassador for the United States or Canada or, or Mexico or any earthly country, then you are an ambassador for King Jesus and his kingdom, right? So you're representing the interests of Jesus and his kingdom in this foreign land. You guys know the moment that you put your trust in Jesus as Savior, your citizenship is now forever in heaven, right? This life is a temporary one. We get how many years on this planet? 70, 80, 90 years? Some of you guys may get 100. Some of you guys may get more because you all eat real healthy, and I'm proud of you for that. Um, but then that's it, right? That's it. And, and, and compared to eternity, that's nothing at all. It's just be gone like that. And then you will spend the rest of eternity forever in heaven with God. The Bible says your citizenship is there. When you put your trust in Jesus as Savior, your citizenship is now there in heaven. And in this short season that you walk around the earth, that you walk around the campus, you're here as an ambassador for Jesus, right? Representing the interests of a foreign kingdom and a foreign king among people that maybe don't know him. They don't love him. They don't serve him because they don't know him. And you're there to represent Jesus to them and plead with them, hey, be reconciled to God. Do you know God? Do you have a relationship with God? No? Well, let me tell you about what God's done for me. Do you know Jesus? No? Hey, let me, let me tell you the difference that Jesus has made in my life, right? I mean, share your testimony. Share the hope that you found in the Lord. Calpha gets its name from that idea of being Christ's ambassadors. Christ's ambassadors. So, I um, mean, that idea of Christ's ambassadors, if you were to, you know, that's translated into our English Bible as Christ's ambassadors, but, but there uh, in the Greek, if you were to take those first two Greek letters, that's where we get the name Chi Alpha. So when you see Chi Alpha anywhere, just think Christ's ambassadors. Christ's ambassadors. Uh, you know, Christ's ambassadors on the college campus here at the University of Memphis, representing Jesus to the people around. Does that sound good? Yeah. You guys tracking with me? Good. Let's keep going. So we are a community that's committed to a specific mission that's reconciling students to Christ and making disciples. Making disciples. So Jesus had a mission too, right? We're talking about mission tonight. Jesus had a very specific mission too. He made it clear that his mission on earth, he said in Luke 19.10, was to seek and to save those who are lost. 
And Jesus said, I've got a mission. I've got a purpose for being here. I said, Jesus, well, why are you doing all these things? Well, why, are you, why are you going around the countryside preaching and working miracles and casting out demons? Jesus, what, what's the point of you? Why, what, what's, what's your purpose? He says, my purpose is, is very simple. It's to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man, that's a nickname Jesus had for himself. The Son of Man comes to seek and to save the lost. Looking for people that are far from God, disconnected from God, people that are lost from God, finding them, reconnecting them back to the Father. That was Jesus' mission. He explained that God loves people. God loves people. And if you've not heard that, I want you to know God loves you. God loves you. And he's not, he's not mad at you. He doesn't hate you. He's not looking for an excuse to lightning bolt you, right? God loves you so, so much, more than we could ever wrap our heads around. That every single one of us uh, is loved by God. God longs to have relationship with you. Uh, God wants to know you more than you want to know Him. If you can imagine that, he, he longs to be in relationship with you. Every single one of us, though, has damaged that relationship by our choices, right? Our actions, our, our inward state of what the Bible calls sinfulness. That's times that we're prideful, times that we're selfish, times that we hurt ourselves, hurt other people, man, go against God's law. And this, this has come to separate us from God. We don't have that closeness with God. God that we would like to have or that he wants to have with us. But guys, God loves you, so he was not content to leave you that way. That's the good news of the gospel, that God looks at you and says, man, I'm not okay with him being far away from me. Man, man there, there, there's sin here, there's problems here, so I'm going to make a plan to solve it. And that was the purpose of him sending his son Jesus, to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Right? Jesus came and lived that perfect life that I couldn't live, right? none of us could have lived. And then, and then his sacrificial death on the cross, man, he took upon himself the punishment for everything that I've ever done wrong, everything you've ever done wrong. So instead of receiving I mean, the, 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 the punishment for, for, our, for our sin and disobedience, we receive from God grace and mercy and eternal life instead. That's the good news of the gospel. Remember I said last week, uh, we use the word gospel a lot. What does gospel mean? Gospel just means the good news of what God has done for you in Jesus. Right, the good news of what God has done for you in Jesus. And that's what God's done. God, through Jesus, has made a way that we can be forgiven of our sins. Is that good to anybody? It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter how big you've blown it, how much you've failed, how much you've screwed up. And you can come to God and say, God, can you please forgive me because of what Jesus did on the cross? And he does. He wipes you clean, gives you a fresh start. And some of you guys prayed even last week, God, I need a fresh start. I want to commit my life to you. The good news is that even after dying on the cross, Jesus didn't stay dead, though, right? Three days later, God rose him from the dead. Uh, he appeared to hundreds of eyewitnesses. He ascended to heaven with the promise that one day he's coming back for us, promising eternal life to whoever puts their trust in him. God revealed in Christ that he longs for a relationship with us. The other verse I had up there was 1 Timothy 2.4, that God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Man, this is God's heart for us. Man, he, he wants all of us to come to the knowledge of the truth, to be saved, to be in right relationship with him. That's been God's heart from the very beginning for every single person. He wants relationship with you. So all that I just said about God loving you and sending Jesus to die for you and Jesus raising from the dead, that, that, that's the message of the gospel, right? That's the message of the gospel. Hopefully, man, you've heard that. You put your trust in that. Say, yeah, man, I believe that. And I've got a relationship with God, man, because of faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross. That is great. That's the message of the gospel. 
what was the method Jesus had of disseminating that message throughout the whole world, right? Was there a plan? Like, was there a way that he had to get the word out about that good news to all, how many, seven and a half, eight billion people on the planet? Did he have a plan? He did have a plan. He did. I like that confident, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, we trust you got a plan. What was Jesus' plan for accomplishing that on a worldwide scale? His plan was brilliantly simple. Brilliantly simple. He gives it to us in what we call the Great Commission. This is Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 19. This is Jesus' last words to his followers. He's been risen from the dead. He's appeared to hundreds of eyewitnesses. He's about to ascend to the Father. These are his last words to his followers. And last words are important, right? This is what he says. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make what? Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God's plan for reaching the world was for his followers to make disciples. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, right? All power has been given to me. You've got God has entrusted me with all authority, all power, and, and this is this is my plan for reaching the world is for you to go and make disciples. This wasn't just to preachers, to pastors, to missionaries, but all believers, all Christians, all of Christ's ambassadors, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. That's God's plan. Go and teach other people what it means to follow God, to be in a relationship with God, I mean, how to know God, how to walk with Jesus. Teach other people to do that. Every single one of us, and that, that, that's Jesus' commission to us. That's something that he wants us to do. Um, it's not just, oh, if you feel like it, make disciples. Or, oh, if you've been called to ministry and you've got reverend in front of your name, make disciples. No, every single believer, make disciples. Wherever you're at. And in your friend group. And in your family. With your coworkers. With your classmates. With strangers that God puts in your path. Man, say, okay, God, this is a person that's far from you that needs to hear the gospel that I can teach to follow Jesus. And make disciples wherever God has you. God's plan for, the whole, for reaching the whole world was to, for his followers to faithfully make disciples. It's in making disciples that your life has a purpose greater than yourself. Right? We all want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. Right? We all want to be part of something larger, something grander. There is nothing to be part of that is grander than the kingdom of God. Right? Whatever, whatever I make out of my own life, man, a lot of times we talk about legacy and leaving a legacy and leaving an impact. Whatever I do with my life is going gonna, is gonna to be a small shadow in comparison to being a part of the kingdom of God and what God's doing on this earth. And it's a huge privilege that God asks us to be a part of it. Right? Join in with what he's doing. Because I was thinking about this. Well, this is the method that God chose to make disciples. How else could he have done it? I don't know. He could have rearranged the constellations of the stars in the sky to spell out, you know, John 3.16 or something. I don't know. Spell out the gospel there. He could have carved it into a mountain range. He could have done, he could have done something he's God, right? He could have done anything. What he chose to do, though, was to use you to tell your friend and disciple your friend who then reaches their brother, right? Who then turns around and reaches their coworker. This is the method. This is the plan that God chose, and what an honor, what a privilege that we get to be a part of, right? That God honors us by saying, I want to use you, right? I want to use you, I want to, I want to work through you, uh, I want to shine through you to reach the people around you. 
So going into the school year, and that's my challenge to you guys, is to make disciples. Say, okay, God, use me. Man, use me to make disciples. I've never done that before, but God, use me to make disciples. You, I want to lead someone to Christ. I want to share the gospel with someone and see them believe in Jesus and help them to grow in their relationship with God. God, use me in that way. And making disciples is more than just making converts, right? It's more than just getting, getting someone to repeat a sentence or to pray a prayer, right? Teaching someone to be a disciple is teaching them every part of what it means to follow Jesus, right? So yeah, how to pray, man, how, how to read the Bible, how to obey the commands of Jesus in our life and the different areas of our life, uh, how, to, how to share their faith, like everything that's involved in being a Christian, and it's all of it, right? It's not, okay, you, you prayed this prayer one time, peace, you're on your own, right? No, that's not making disciples, God wants you to make disciples, to invest what he's invested in you into someone else. Say, man, here's everything I know about following Jesus. I want to teach, I want to teach you all. Man, so, soak it up like a sponge. Here's what I know about following the Lord. Here's what God's given to me. Man, I want to give it to you. That's my challenge, man. I want to encourage you guys. God, use me this school year to make disciples, to reach the people around me. One of the reasons many of us are not actively making disciples is that we don't know where to start, right? No one's ever taught us how to do that, where to start with that. So some of you guys have probably even heard that verse before, heard the Great Commission before. Like, okay, yeah, go into all the world and make disciples. But because you've never been taught how to do that, we don't do it, right? So, man, I don't even know how to do that. Like, I see that there's people around me that need God, but I don't even know where to start with that. Um, and I get that. I truly believe that every single believer needs to both make disciples and be discipled, and be discipled. Some of us don't know how to make disciples because we've never been discipled ourselves. We've gone to church, right? We've heard the Bible preached, we've believed on Jesus, but we've never been discipled. Like we've never had someone just take us aside and pour into us and teach us how to follow God and work with us and one-on-one, help us to grow our faith. We've never had that. And because we've never had that, we don't necessarily have to know how to do it for someone else. You know what I'm saying? But I think that's something important for every single believer. Every single one of us needs this, both to make disciples and then also to be discipled. Let's look at that second one first. Be discipled. Be discipled. Have you ever had someone intentionally invest in you and your personal spiritual growth? Have you ever had someone do that? We understand that having a mentor or apprenticeship is important like in the corporate world, in our career path. Like, man, we want a mentor. We want to apprentice under somebody. Man, we know it's important to see a counselor like for our mental health and our emotional well-being. But what about the most important part of us, right? The eternal part of us, our soul. Right? Who do you have nurturing your soul? Who do you have, man, that's meeting with you, that's helping develop your, your faith, your spiritual walk? Who's investing in your spiritual growth and helping you to become the person God's called you to be? Who's meeting with you and coming alongside you to help you with those daily struggles, to help you figure out, man, your purpose in life and what God's doing through you? If you don't have that, man, I encourage you, man, seek that out, man. Find, find a way to be discipled, to have that kind of mentor figure in your life. We all need it. Every single one of us needs it. I need it, right? I, I need those guys that I can call on, right? Those older brothers in the faith. And I've got, man, I've got several, several guys that I can turn to and say, hey, man, I'm struggling. Would you pray for me? Or, hey, I need your wisdom. I need advice on this. Hey, can we sit down and just talk through some stuff because I'm stressing? Um, we all need that. We all need that. And if you don't have that, I encourage you to allow the Lord to place that kind of person in your life. You know, Jackie or I, I mean, or any of the staff would love to meet with you one-on-one. We've got some great student leaders 
and upperclassmen that would love to meet with you throughout the week um, and to get lunch, get coffee, sit down across the table, hear your story, hear what God's doing in your life, and figure out, I mean, how can I help you? How can I help you to grow? How can I, can I help you to grow and get to where God wants you to be the next step from here? How can I hold you accountable, right? The stuff that's like, Matt, man, I, there's some things I'm struggling with, and I just need somebody to check in on those things and pray and encourage me in those things. Yeah, we want to be that. We want to be that. And Kyle and staff, man, I, I, would love to, I would love to meet with you. I would love to meet with you, to sit down with you. Man, our student leaders here, our life group leaders, would love to build that relationship with you, uh, to meet with you throughout the week and talk about those things and, and, and actually... You can step into that idea of being disciple. Okay, I know I'm supposed to make disciples. Also, I need to be disciple too, right? I've not arrived. I'm not Mr. and Mrs. Perfect Christian. Like, I've got some growth to do, and I could use an older brother, older sister in the faith that could pour into me. Amen? We'd love to be that for you. We'd love to be that for you. Each and every one of us needs that person, that mentor to invest in us, to challenge us, to pray with us, to help us study the Bible, to listen to our tough questions. You guys will come up with some tough questions. I know it. I've been doing college ministry enough, man. I've gotten some weird texts, right? I've gotten some weird questions, but I love it. It's like one of my favorite parts of this job is getting that really strange text about, Matt, what does this mean in the Bible? Or can you explain this to me about God? I love it. Man, let's wrestle with that. Man, let's talk about that. Um, Man, let's have that long conversation, that long text chain where we talk about, hey, here's what the Bible teaches, and here's the best way for us to understand that. Or, man, here's the theology behind that. Some of you guys are like, man, I don't know that I have a Bible question. I just have like a life question. Like I'm in this goofy situation with a boyfriend or girlfriend. No one's ever really taught me how to navigate this kind of stuff. And I could use that kind of big brother, big sister to help me with that. Man, we want to be there for that. We want to be there for that. We want to help with that. Everybody needs it, myself included. But in addition to one-on-one mentorship type relationships, discipleship also develops best in community. In community. I mean, that's why we encourage these life groups so much because it's in those communities and those groups of guys, groups of girls where we're really sharing our life together, where we can really encourage one another, pray with one another, hold each other accountable, study the Bible together, have those tough conversations. Um, That's huge. And discipleship happens in community. This is the model Jesus used, right? If you think about Jesus and what you maybe remember from Sunday school or the Bible or reading the Gospels about Jesus and how Jesus did discipleship. Jesus spent most of his time, the vast majority of his time, with his, his life group, his small group, right? The small group of 12 guys that he said, hey, come follow me. Right? Peter, come follow me. Matthew, come follow me. He collected this group of guys, and the majority of his time, he spent with them. We know he had solitude time. There was times that man, he'd get alone to pray uh, and, and, and get alone to, to fast and these other things. And we know there's times where he did big, large-scale ministry, you know, crowds of thousands, uh, multiplying food and preaching and those kind of things. But most of his time, most of his day-to-day time was with these 12 guys, walking with them from town to town, eating with them. Looking for those teachable moments to be like, hey, man, let me explain this to you. Remember that parable I shared earlier this week? Let me explain the deeper meaning of that to you guys so you can kind of see what I'm getting at spiritually there. He spent most of his time with these guys, and a lot of their discipleship happened in that community. Now, they may have gotten one-on-one time with Jesus. Uh, The Bible doesn't actually give us a lot of examples of that, though. I can only think of uh, just a couple, just one-on-one type situations with Jesus, with his own disciples. Man, we see him one-on-one interactions with some other people in the Gospels. But man, a lot of that discipleship happened in that small group community. So that's why life groups are so important to us, because I know that you go into the next step of where God has you 
to grow to be the man, woman of God God wants you to be is going to happen in those communities where you've got other brothers, other sisters encouraging in your faith. Amen? So that's the first one. Be discipled. Every believer needs to be discipled. If you don't have a mentor, spiritual mentor, someone pouring into you, then find somebody, right? Find a staff person, find a student leader that can meet with you uh, during the week uh, and talk about that stuff. And the other one is make disciples, right? Every believer should also make disciples. And say, man, I'm intimidated. I've never done anything like that before. That, that sounds kind of scary. Uh, but you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. So Jesus promised at the very end of that great commission, I'm going to be with you always. Be with you always. So you don't go alone. He's going with you. Right? He's going to give you the words to say. I mean, he promises twice in the Gospels. We don't need to worry beforehand what we're going to say. We've got to explain uh, him and talk about him before people. He says the Holy Spirit is going to give you the words you need in that moment. He's just looking for obedience. Are you going to open your mouth? Are you going to say, hey, can I talk to you about spiritual stuff? Right? Hey, can I ask about, I mean, do you have a relationship with God? Or, or do you know Jesus? And, and maybe you're in that conversation. Maybe you've sat next to this person in class for, for, for weeks. Or maybe it's a coworker that you've known them for months or even years. And you guys have just never had more than that surface level conversation. I mean, part of it is just stepping out and saying, okay, God, it's going to take a little courage, take a little guts, but I'm going to ask them a spiritual question. I'm going to ask them about their faith. I'm going to ask them about God. Uh, and then just trust them. The Holy Spirit's going to show up in that moment. Uh, and carry you along those next steps as you kind of dig deeper and, and see where they're at with God and see, see how God wants to use you. Maybe, maybe it's leading them to Jesus uh, and having them for the first time put their trust in Christ. And maybe, maybe, they're, maybe they grew up in church or they consider themselves a Christian, but it's just kind of a nominal faith. It's not, not a deep relationship with God, and they need that person like you to come alongside them and say, hey, now let's study the Bible together. Let's pray together. Well, let's grow together. Let's hold each other accountable. So thankfully, Jesus not only gave us that command to make disciples, but he also modeled it for us. And so you can learn tons about how to make, the, how to make disciples just from reading the Gospels and seeing what he did with his own disciples. So Jesus called those first disciples with the simple words of, Come and follow me. A person becomes a disciple of Jesus when they leave their old life behind and they start following Jesus instead. He assembled that group of 12 ordinary men, and these guys did not seem like much in the beginning. right? If you could have looked at the lineup of the guys that Jesus picked, you're like, this is not impressive. This is not an impressive lineup. These guys are a bunch of nobodies. Uh, Jesus, I don't know. You want to start over? We'll let, you, we'll let you pick again. We'll let you pick another 12. You can do better than this. But these guys, these 12 ordinary dudes, after spending three years with Jesus, were absolute world changers, right? They turned the world upside down. Jesus ascends to heaven, and they start proclaiming the gospel uh, there in Jerusalem and then to the surrounding areas, and the entire world turns upside down, right? Human civilization is changed forever by these 12 regular guys who had just spent time with Jesus, who had just been discipled by Jesus. So what were the methods that Jesus used with his own disciples? I'm going to breeze through these really quick. There's three, uh, three that I want to look at, and we're going to be really quick. The first thing with Jesus with his own disciples, he was relational. Jesus was relational. And like I said, during his years of public ministry, the majority of Jesus' time was spent with these 12 guys, building relationship, uh, really getting to know them, them getting to know him, spending time together, eating meals together, walking together. Maybe I mean, I'm picturing them camping out, sleeping under the stars together, I mean, having those late night talks at 2 a.m. together, uh, praying together, doing ministry together, feeding crowds together, healing the sick together. He spent time with them. He truly loved these men and he invested in those relationships. He was relational. So if we want to make disciples like Jesus, it means we've got to prioritize relationships as well. 
people can't be projects, right? People know when they're projects, right? People know when you're being fake, when it's just, oh, I'm just, I'm just talking to you, but I don't really care about you, I don't love you. I mean, you, you can smell someone being fake like a mile away, right? You know the difference when someone loves you, when someone really cares about you, right? And so the people in your life, they need to know that you care. They need to know that you really love them as a person, right? You want relationship with them. You want friendship with them. You don't just want them to hear your, here's my Jesus spiel now, peace out. Uh, but I actually want to know you. I want to be in your life. I want you to be in my life. Man, we encourage our student leaders. It's something we say a lot. And not just to invite people to life group, but to invite them into your life, right? I mean, come eat with me. Come to Starbucks with me. Come study with me. Come to the store with me. Right? Just come, come with me. Come be with me. Invite people into your life. Build those relationships. Jesus was relational. We earn the right to speak into people's lives. And the currency for that is relationship. Right? No one cares what you know until they first know that you care. Until they first know that you really care and love them. And then once they know that you love them, and that earns you the right to speak that truth into their life. Say, hey, man, I, man, I want to tell you about God. Man, I want to tell you about these are things I notice in your life, and I'd like to encourage you in this way. We earn that right through relationship. This is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus makes the clear distinction that these men were not just his followers. They certainly weren't his servants. He says they were his friends. His friends. Jesus was relational. The other thing Jesus was was intentional. Jesus was intentional. He called specific individuals to follow them. He used specific situations as teachable moments to impart wisdom. Nothing was left to chance. Every word had intentionality and purpose. So if we're going to be Christ's ambassadors, if we're going to make disciples, if we're going to share Jesus with other people, we've got to be intentional as well. Discipleship isn't a thing that just happens. No one's ever made a disciple for Jesus on accident, right? They're just stumbling through life and like, oh, wow, I created a totally mature Christian, right? That's living for God just on accident. I didn't know. I wasn't even trying. Nothing's ever happened, right? You've got to be intentional to, to, to pour into someone's life, invest in someone's life like that and see them grow in the Lord. Jesus was intentional. Man, we need to be intentional as well. Uh, again, the, those spiritual conversations with people, they're, they're not going to happen if we're not intentional, right? Oh, how's the weather doing, man? And sometimes it's real hot, sometimes it's rainy, and sometimes it's somewhere in between. Okay, man, how are those tigers doing? How are the grizzlies doing? And we have these surface-level conversations all day long. It's going to take intentionality, man, to turn that conversation to spiritual things. But, man, can I tell you something God's been doing in my life lately? Now, some people will be like, what? <laughs> they're not used to hearing that. They're not used to hearing that. But there's people that God's prepared their hearts beforehand. They're going to be so open to that. Like, finally, someone that wants to be real. Right? Finally, someone that wants to talk about something real, they're dying for that. Right? And they're, they're excited for it. Um, Jesus was intentional. We've got to be intentional as well. Initiating these conversations, building relationships that nurture new believers is our responsibility. Jesus was intentional, and we must be intentional as well, making the most of every opportunity to invest in the people around us. So Jesus was relational. Jesus was intentional. The last one, Jesus was transgenerational. Transgenerational. So he was thinking beyond just this generation, but to the generation that came next. I want to ask you a question. So we're talking about making disciples. How do you know when you've finished the process of discipling someone? Like, how do you know when you're done? Like, I meet O'Shea, and I share the gospel with him. He's like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I want to believe on Jesus. And we lead him to Christ, and I teach him to pray, teach him to read the Bible. And, man, we're talking about growing in the Lord. How do I know when, you're, when I'm done? Yeah, when they can go out and make a disciple themselves. 
And think about the next generation. Think about not just the person in front of you, but all the people they know and all the people God wants to use them to reach. And the process of discipleship should take you through equipping them to make disciples themselves. And that's what Jesus did. He didn't just make disciples. He made disciples who can make disciples who can make disciples. Right? I mean, that's what we're looking for, right? That, that's the kind of disciple-making community we want to be with Chi Alpha. We want to be a community that makes disciples that make disciples that make disciples, right? They're thinking about those next generations. So we need to be transgenerational in our approach as well. The end goal of discipleship is to equip someone so they can make disciples as well. So how, how did Jesus make sure his approach was trans, transgenerational? Uh, man, he, he would use simple stories and illustrations, right? Simple parables that would be like, oh yeah, I can remember that. It's like a farmer, right? Oh, it's like a seed. Oh, it's like a treasure. Oh, it's like a pearl. Oh, it's like, it's like this. It's like that. That's easy to remember. And then it was easy for them to teach the next person and easy for them to teach the next person. So when you have got someone that you're teaching how to follow Jesus, try to think of it that way. I don't want to try to impress them with all the big words I know. No, that's kind of, that's a waste. I want to make sure it's simple enough that they can understand it and then turn around and teach someone else. Teach their roommate, right? Teach their friend. And let's, let's, let's try to have, make sure our methods are transgenerational. Teach them not only to study the Bible, but teach them how to teach someone else to study the Bible, right? Don't just teach them how to pray, but teach them how to teach their friends how to pray. Does that make sense? Um, this is the kind of intentional transgenerational discipleship that we saw Jesus do. Let's wrap up. Kalpha, again, we want to equip you. We want to train you. I know that a lot of people, a lot of people grow up in church, and they hear the Great Commission. They've probably heard it a thousand times before they get to college. They know they're supposed to make disciples. A lot of the reason Christians don't make disciples is because they've never been trained how to do it. Kalpha, we want to train you. We want to equip you. Right? We want to meet with you, talk about how to do it. Um, in, in the coming months, we're going to have classes. There, there's a class called Foundations and a class that's called D-Class, Discipleship Class where we train you, equip you, man, how to share your faith, how to lead a small group, lead a Bible study, how to make disciples of the people around you, man. We want to train you. We want to equip you. We want to help you uh, to fulfill the Great Commission and be used by God uh, in that way. And in this way, one generation at a time, man, as you share the gospel with a friend and you disciple a friend and then they disciple their friends, man, this is God's plan for reaching this planet, right? The seven and a half billion, eight billion people on this planet. This is the plan God had for reaching them. There's not a plan B. There's not a black plan like if, you know, oh, my followers aren't making disciples. I'm going to have to go with plan B. There's not a plan B. This is it. Jesus said, make disciples who make disciples who make disciples until I come back. Right? And that's what we want to do. We want to be obedient to Jesus in that way. The discipleship process is about reproduction, passing from one generation to the next. This is Jesus' plan from the beginning uh, to equip his followers who can make disciples uh, to the ends of the earth. That every single person on the earth has a chance to hear. I can't begin to tell you man, how fulfilling it is and to be able to allow God to use you to see someone else grow in the Lord. Right, to be able to sit in those conversations, to see the light bulb go off, to see someone grow in their faith, to see someone turn away from intoxic behaviors and destructive lifestyle things that are, that are wrecking their life, to turn from that and start following Jesus. Um, and to see someone celebrate, hey, I got to share the gospel with my roommate, I got to share Jesus with my coworker, right? and to celebrate with them, and it's so encouraging. Uh, there's nothing more satisfying than seeing the person you've invested in grow in maturity and begin to disciple others. And I would love every single one of you guys to get to experience that as well to allow God to use you in that way. Wherever the Lord has placed you is incredibly strategic, right? Whatever classes he's placed you in, whatever 
dorm he's placed you in, neighborhood he's placed you in, the family, the friend group he's placed you in is strategic, right? You're Christ's ambassadors to those people, right? You're representing Jesus to those people. Allow God to use you in that way. And remember the promise that I'm going to be with you always to the very end of the age. We don't go alone, right? God is right there with you. Jesus is right there with you. He's going to help you uh, with making disciples. This is the way we leave a legacy that truly endures. We're part of something bigger than ourselves by being obedient to Jesus and allowing him to use us to see his kingdom come and expand on this campus. Right now at the University of Memphis, there's about 23,000 students uh, studying across various undergraduate and graduate programs. And a lot of those students are far from God. Right? They don't, don't know God. They don't know Jesus. Uh, and God may want to use you to share Jesus with them. Right? The people, the people that you see every day in class, man, you may not even like them yet. But pray God gives you a heart to love them right, and build a relationship with them uh, so she can share Jesus with them. I believe God can use everyone in this room. Uh, there's not certain people that are like, okay, these people are disciple makers. These people, ah, I don't know. No, I think God can use everybody. I can, God, God can use everybody. Be relational. Be intentional. And thinking about be, being transgenerational with, with the way you explain things. God can use everybody. God wants to use you. I would love to pray for us, uh, that, that God would help us to get behind that mission, right? That's Kyle's mission, but it's not just Kyle's mission. Like, that's the mission of the kingdom of God. That's the mission of the body of Christ, that all of us as believers would be Christ's ambassadors, would represent Jesus to the people around us. Every single one of us needs to be being discipled by somebody and then also open to, God, use me to make disciples as well. Amen? And I'd love to pray that over you and... Uh, and I um, mean, just see, see how God would want us to respond to that. I mean, would you guys bow your heads? Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you that you had a plan for saving us. God, that when we were lost in sin, when we were far from you, God, uh, that, that you didn't look down just, just hopeless. I mean, I don't know what to do now. No, God, you had a plan. The Bible tells us you had a plan from the very beginning. You knew what you were going to do. That you had already had the plan to send Jesus to save us. We thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for us, for raising from the dead. God, thank you, Jesus, for doing for us what we can never do for ourselves. God, we love you. God, we love you. God, we put our trust in you as Savior. If there's anyone here tonight that's not put their trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross to save them, and I encourage you right now in this moment to say, God, I need you. God, I need you. I put my faith not in myself, but on Jesus and what he did on the cross to save me. Forgive me of my sins and make me right with God right here tonight. Give me a fresh start. God, I need you. I accept your free gift of forgiveness and eternal life. God, come live in me and through me by your Holy Spirit. Help me to live a life that pleases you in every way. In Jesus' name. God, I pray that each and every one of us, if we're not already actively being discipled, we don't have that spiritual mentor in our life that's pouring into us, investing in us. I pray that each and every one of us would seek that out. Maybe with the Kyle staff person, a student leader. Uh, God, maybe we already have that in our, our, our local church. We've got someone doing that. But if we don't, God, I pray that each and every one of us would seek that out. Say, man, I need someone to help me grow, someone that's going to invest in me, pour into me. Help me to find that, God. And God, would you help us to be obedient to you in that great commission of making disciples, God. Use us. Use us to be a light to the people around us. Use us to be your ambassador, to plead with the people around us, to be reconciled to God. God, each and every one of us can picture people in our life that are far from you, that aren't walking with you, God. God, I pray that you would use us. Use us 
to speak words of truth and life to them, to share the hope that we found in Jesus with them. God, use us to turn conversations to spiritual things and share our testimony, share the hope that we found in you, God. God, would you give us the courage to open up our mouth and speak in those situations. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, we love you. God, we trust you. God, bless these students. We pray again for all, all the students that are out, that, that are sick. Uh, God, uh, that, that couldn't be here. God, would you touch them, heal them, encourage them, God. God, students that are starting to feel the weight of classes now that we're uh, a couple weeks into the semester, the homework's piling up and responsibilities are piling up. God, would you help them, encourage them. God, whether students that have financial difficulties, Father, would you show yourself mighty as their provider? Um, or students who are just lonely, uh, lonely, down, depressed, God, would you be an encouragement to them and the lifter of their head, God. We love you. We trust you, God. With all these things, God, you're good. Your mercy endures forever. In Jesus' name, amen.